right. Great to see you at Barefoot Church today. You guys are pretty active on this blistery November cool morning. Man, we're honored to have you with us on this Thanksgiving week. And I was thinking a little bit about Thanksgiving and back in the first grade, I remember being taught what Thanksgiving was all about. But I had to refresh my memory uh, this week. And, and so I just wanted to kind of know uh, us to understand why we have Thanksgiving here in our great country. And so I went to Wikipedia to learn today. And um, I went and Wikipedia what Thanksgiving is all about. So I just thought I would read it to us as we start off today. Because we really do have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? You know, I know there's a lot of things going on in the world, probably even in your personal life, but I do believe today that God is going to begin to show us how to have a heart of thankfulness and how really when we have a heart of thankfulness and and a heart of, uh, you know, just a gratitude that it can really begin to impact the world in a, in a positive way and really make a difference in people's life. But this is what Wikipedia says, says about a Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a public holiday celebrated on the fourth Thursday in November in the United States. Now, when I was growing up, that used to confuse me because Christmas always happens on the same date, December the 25th. However, Thanksgiving rotates dates, but it's on the same day, which is the fourth day of, of every, every uh, fourth Thursday of every November. It says that it originated as a harvest festival. Thanksgiving has been celebrated nationally on and off since 1789. After the proclamation of George Washington, it says it has been celebrated as a federal holiday every year since 1863 when during the American Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed a national day of thanksgiving and praise to our Father who is in the heavens. Is that amazing or what? Did you know that? He, he, he says, hey, he says a praise to our Father who is in the heavens, our president did, and it was to celebrate, it was to be celebrated on the last Thursday in November. Together with Christmas and New Year, Thanksgiving is a part of the broader holiday season. The event that the event that the Americans commonly call the first Thanksgiving was celebrated by pilgrims after their first harvest in the New World in 1621. The feast lasted for three days, not just one day at lunch, but for three days, and is accounted by an, uh, by an attendee, Edward Winslow. It was attended by 90 Native Americans and 53 pilgrims. The New England colonists were accustomed to regularly celebrating Thanksgivings, days of prayer, thanking God for blessings such as military victory or the end of a drought. And so I find that very, very fascinating. Uh, this holiday that we celebrate this week is birthed out of the idea of actually thanking God for victories, for military victories, 
And then also uh, for provision during the harvest season for his reign. And you know what? That's really what the people started this Thanksgiving holiday all about. And so it was just a great refresher for me to read that today. And I hope that was a great uh, refresher uh, for you. Because actually it's out of that heart of gratitude that began our great country. And amazing, amazing things began to happen, you know what, in, in our world. And so Thanksgiving is an awesome, awesome holiday, and so we got a lot to be thankful for. Can you give God a hand clap of praise today for, for uh, thankfulness? So what I want us to do today is I want us to look at a passage of Scripture where a man had a thankful heart, a, a grateful heart, and really learn some principles uh, from this story found in Mark chapter 2 about how we can be thankful in all circumstances with things going on in the world today during this season and really, really have, have influence. Because a grateful heart really has the power to influence everyone around it. And so I believe as you go to your Good Friday sales this week, and you know what, you can begin to express gratitude and thanks and be different than the rest of the world that's actually expressing, I need to get there first and get the only TV that they have on sale tonight and pushing and fussing and fighting. I believe that God is going to use you this Good Friday to begin to really change the people, the people around you. And so I'm really thankful to our great God uh, for, for many, many uh, things. Mark chapter two, we're going to begin with verse one and look at this story. Now, let me say this before I begin reading this today. You know, a lot of times when we read accounts in, in God's word from uh, passages like Mark, it's easy for us just to look at the account, the, the physical account, and not really grab hold of the spiritual meaning. And I need you to understand today that Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, says that Jesus is the visible image of an invisible God. It says that when Jesus was here on earth, when he put on skin, he's the visible image of an invisible God. So if you want to see who God is, all you have to do is look at Jesus and what he was doing, and then you can begin to understand the heart of God. And so a lot of times when you're When you're seeing Jesus do physical acts, miracles, and all kinds of stuff, people get caught up in the miracle and miss the meaning of the miracle. And so when Jesus oftentimes healed the lame, made the blind see, it wasn't about the physical aspect of what he was doing. He was revealing the heart of a God we cannot see with our eyes. He was the image of an invisible God. And so as he does these very various miracles, I believe that God wants to open our spiritual eyes to see something greater than just the physical. But can I tell you what happens a lot of times? We just see the physical act and and we miss the spiritual meaning. And so God wants you to see the spiritual and, and the spiritual thing that Jesus wants us to grab hold of out of this passage today. Mark chapter two, here's the story. The Bible says in Beginning with verse 1 there, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, he had been on a a preaching expedition around the country. It says, the news spread quickly 
that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. You know, every preacher loves it when the house is so packed and there is no more room, even outside the door. And so Jesus is preaching, he is sharing, and the Bible goes on to say, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And the Bible says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there, who were sitting up front because they were right there in front of where Jesus said to this man. So they were probably sitting in the house, not outside of the house. The Bible says that they thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is a blasphemy. Only God can forgive a sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Why do you question what I'm saying in your hearts? And what Jesus is saying is, I'm trying to reveal something to you. Yes, I just gave forgave sins. I'm the image of the invisible God. So I am God in the flesh, but you're missing who I am and what I want to do in human beings life. And so these are spiritually elite people sitting there and they totally missed the spiritual meaning of what Jesus was doing. Can I tell you something again? We can, we can begin to really miss what Jesus wants us to understand. And so Jesus goes on and says this, He says, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. The Bible says, so Jesus says, I'll prove that the Son of Man, a term that he often used to refer to himself, has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up. Everybody say, stand up. Jesus says, stand up. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus also says, pick up your mat. Everybody say, pick up. And then Jesus turns to the man and he says, he says, go home. Everybody say, go home. Those are three things that Jesus commanded the man to do whose sins were forgiven. The Bible goes on to say, and the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out of out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed, and thanksgiving broke out. They praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. And so this man's Thankful heart, heart of gratitude begins to influence his community in a powerful, powerful way. He had been forgiven by Jesus 
And then Jesus turns to him and doesn't only say something to him, but begins to do something in him so that he can do something through him. I don't want you to miss the spiritual, uh, miss the spiritual lesson that God's trying to teach us. He don't only want to say you are forgiven. He wants to say you are forgiven so that he can do something in you and do something through you. In other words, God, God forgives us of missing the mark of his glorious standard so that he can do something in us and do something through us. And our heart towards God really determines whether it's a heart of thanksgiving or a, a heart of basically hardness and not recognizing Jesus for who he is and what he wants to do in our life. And as he spoke to this man, there's some principles here that I believe can change our life as, as we go out this Thanksgiving week and we can have a heart of gratitude. He turned to the man and said, stand up. A man who had been paralyzed on a mat for many, many years that his friends brought to the feet of Jesus. He says, stand up. And I do believe when Jesus said, stand up, it was a mark of, of Jesus saying, this, this is a new day. And you know what? You have a new life. Can I tell you, that's exactly what the Bible says when you are forgiven of your sin. It's a new day and you have a new life. So the question is, if you've been forgiven by your great God, for missing the mark of his glorious standard, are you going to stand up when everybody else chooses to not stand up? Are you going to swim upstream when nobody else is swimming upstream? And I believe this, this actually is an exhibit of the power of God in our life. Whenever we receive the forgiveness of God and we begin, we begin to stand up, you know what? And be who God has created us to be. It begins to change everybody around us. Those people were stunned when the man stood up. They had thought, hey, you know what? Jesus, if, if you can say you can forgive uh, sins, then prove it. And that's exactly what Jesus does spiritually in our life today. He don't only say he wants to forgive you of your sins. The moment he forgives you of your sin and he touches your heart, that's what happens. You begin to stand up and you begin to live a new life and you begin to exhibit who he is to the world around you. Jesus told the man to, to stand up. And so that's what I want to ask you to do during this Thanksgiving week. Stand up. Be who God's created you to be. In the face of the circumstances and the situations in life. A lot of people talk about, you know, they don't, they don't want to stand up whenever, whenever pressure happens. But can I tell you something? Pressure is the greatest place to stand up and be who God has created you to be. It's the greatest place to shine. A lot of times when, you know, whenever we have financial pressure, when we have a physical uh, pressure, whenever we have a relational uh, pressure, Pressure. It's an opportunity for us to stand up and say, you know what? No, we have a new life. We have been forgiven and we can stand up in this situation. So the first, the, the first aspect of a heart of thankfulness is stand up when no one else will stand up 
and you begin to represent that God has healed your heart. Remember, Jesus healed the man, but Jesus is into healing our heart. Jesus physically healed people, but what what he came to manifest is there's an invisible God who wants to heal you and restore you back in a relationship with him. And depending on whether you stand up or don't stand up really determines, you know what, have you really received the forgiveness? Jesus says, stand up. The next thing he does is he says, he doesn't only say stand up, he, he also says, he says, uh, pick up. Everybody say pick up again. Yeah. It says pick up your mat. So what does this represent? I do believe clearly as the man, you know, picks up his mat, it's, it's showing that Jesus does have the authority to forgive uh, sin in our life. And when the man stood up and picked up his mat, it was as if that no longer controlled his life. He had a, a, new, a new authority in his life. No longer did the mat hold him back. But he was holding the mat, and it was a representation of God's power in his life. People come, you know, all the time and say, I've been forgiven, but, but I, can't, I can't stop, you know what, doing certain sinful things. I need you to grab hold of it today. The power of God is alive. The power that resurrected from Jesus, resurrected Jesus from the grave is available to you and to me. And you can. You can go a day without sinning if you begin to know the power of God in your life. Because what God is into doing is purging things out and putting new things in. And when the man got up off his mat, it was like he was saying, I have a new authority in my life. And I do believe the reason a lot of times that I, though I've been forgiven of my sin, that I stay held back by the mat. Is simply I don't come underneath the authority of who Jesus is and I let my sinful nature become the authority in my life instead of, uh, of letting Jesus become the authority in my life. The moment the man picked up the mat, he was saying, I've got a new authority in my life. I'm not listening to what the mat used to say to me. I'm listening to what my Lord, the authority, is saying to me. Let's not mistake what that word Lord means in the scripture. It means that, leader. Lord, master, CEO, it means the one that's over your life, that, that begins to appoint and lead your life. And so the question is, is, is Jesus leading your life? Because when Jesus leads your life, that means, you know what, things are purged out of your life and new things are put into your life and the power of God is exhibited through your life. The, the man was saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, leaving this old way of living because I've been made into a new creation and now God is doing uh, something new in my life. And so, yes, he does have the authority to forgive uh, sin because I stood up, I've got, you know what, a new life and I have a new master and I have a new authority in my life and I'm going to walk out of here and I'm going to change this place. Don't miss this. The reason a lot of people are paralyzed today in their spiritual journey is not because they haven't received Jesus as their servant who forgave them of their sin. They choose not to receive him as their Lord over their life and begin to move away from their sin. And again, the Bible says Jesus is both. He's a servant 
and he's a king. He's a, he's a leader. Peter says this Jesus in Acts chapter, chapter 2, he says this Jesus who you crucified, who you nailed to a cross, is both Lord and Messiah. And some people today say, man, I just can't have a heart of of gratitude, a, a heart of thankfulness. You don't know what's going on in my life. What happens is we all have circumstances in our life. We all have situations, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And, and I'm not here to say today, if, if you're physically ill and you're on a mat it's a, it, it, and you can't get up and physically walk, it's a result of a sin you committed, though it may be. But the reality of it is, We live in a world that has been defiled by sin, that has been plagued by this thing called sin. And it doesn't always have to be your sin that happens when sickness hits your body. And so when sickness hits your body or something else hits your body, if it is, you need to 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 repent and and say, God, I want to hold on to you uh, and I don't want to. I don't want to go in that direction anymore. I want to go in this new direction with my life. But what I have to understand is all of us are called not to just make Jesus our servant to serve us on a cross, but we're also called to make him our Lord to lead our life. And the moment he begins to lead your life, he leads you in a new direction and he begins to do amazing, amazing things in your heart. And so if you don't have a heart of gratitude, a heart of thankfulness today, I'm just asking you, do you truly make Jesus the Lord and leader of your life? And it's easy to know if you're doing that or not, because are you following what he has designed you to be and do, or are you following what you desire to be and do? And there's a, a, a huge, huge difference, and I do believe we can know, and as we pick up our map and follow Jesus, it's simply saying he, he's, the, he's the master, he's the king, he's the CEO of our life. No longer does that have authority over my life. I have a, there's a new sheriff in town, there's a new king over my life, there's a new authority over my life, and I am walking with him. No longer is that holding me back. I'm allowing God to hold me in his hand and do the amazing in my, li- in my life. The next thing is this. He said, go home. He said, he said, walk. Turn to your neighbor and say, walk. I believe this is the spiritual significance in this entire passage. Is when God forgives you, he changes your direction. And he changes your walk. When God forgives you and you've received that forgiveness and you recognize Jesus for who he is, he changes your direction and he changes your walk. Jesus says, go home. That's, that's giving the man direction. Does God give you direction for your life? You know, his entire word is direction for our life. And a lot of people look at it as God's word, the Bible, is holding me back from something. When it's really, you know what, God's boundaries to help me score touchdowns with my life. It helped help me get in the end zone. Help me put points on the board. Help me move the ball. Help me move my life down the field. And so many of us, you know, uh, sometimes don't let God's word become the authority in our life because and, and begin to believe that that he wants to change our walk. And we want to just kind of keep stepping out of bounds. And we're like, we're, we're, we're being punished. We're being no, no. God, remember, he wants to keep you on the playing field of life. But he intends to move you forward, not leave you behind or you to go backwards with your life. 
There's a big, big difference. And so here at Barefoot Church, we say this. Everyone's accepted. Everyone's valued. And everyone will be equipped to be who God has created them to be. Those are our three promises to you. Everyone's accepted. That means, you know what? We accept you right where you are. However, we don't, we don't desire to leave you where you are because God doesn't desire to leave you where you are. In other words, we, we do accept you wherever you spent last night, last week, last month, and what you did. But we're here to tell the truth and speak into your heart and to your life and say, God don't want to leave you in that place. God wants you to stand up. God wants to forgive you of your sin and he wants to move you forward with your life. And we want to equip you with what life is really all about with God's word. Because you're here for a purpose and you're highly valuable to God. So everyone's valuable. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has a part. Everyone is here to transform the world. But Again, it's not accepting you to leave you. It's accepting you to begin to, 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 to help you understand that God wants to do amazing things through your life. But depending on how, how you receive that really determines whether you have a thankful heart or a hardened heart. And a lot of people say, I want to stay, you know, I want to be accepted and I want to stay the same. You don't want to stay the same if you've had an encounter with God. Because the God of the universe will not leave you the same. He will change everything about your life. And when you begin to commune with him and understand how valuable you are to him. That you're a masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus. So you can do the good things God created for you to do before the foundations of the world. The moment you understand the value and have gratitude for God creating you in the grand scheme of things to do something powerful with your life to change the world. is the moment you begin to say, man, I want to walk away from the old life and I want to follow Jesus with my new life and I want to make an impact. On, on the world. I want to walk with God. And a lot of people say, well, uh, I think I am walking with God, but I'm not really sure. Well, today, I want to help you know if you're walking with God. Because walking with God means he's leading you in a direction. He's leading you in a direction for a significant purpose. It's the same reason that Jesus told this man Stand up and walk. Jesus told the man to stand up and walk, not to just heal his physical illness, but to change the entire community and the room so that they would know he was God. The moment Jesus forgives you and he says, stand up and walk in this new direction, the powerful thing that he wants to do is work in you and work through you so that other people can praise your heavenly father, the one that changed your life. And so Paul was speaking to this in in, uh, Galatians, uh, and he was speaking to the church, and he says, you know, there's really really a way to to have a, a thankful heart and be used by God to really make an impact on this world. And in Galatians 5, chapter 16, he says, He says, I say to you, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
He says, walk by the spirit of God. And by the way, God is spirit that manifested himself in flesh. Jesus was the invisible God in flesh. He came and made his dwelling among us so we could see the heart of God and forever have our life impacted by this amazing God in all eternity and understand that we're spiritual beings and not just physical beings. In other words, God came to open our eyes and, and Paul says, now, you know what, walk by, by what the spirit of God is leading you in and then you won't gratify your sinful nature and stay on the mat. And then he says, you want to know what it looks like? The difference is, he says, let me show you. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 25. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. In other words, these are all acts of the flesh are selfish. Are, are, are selfish things. He says, look. He says, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and and, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not, everybody say will not, will not inherit the kingdom of God will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who continue to live, you know what, under that, because what that really says is you haven't understood the forgiveness of God and you haven't understood the power of God in your life and you're choosing to say, you know what, God, I want you to forgive me so I can go to this place, but God wants to forgive you, not so you can just go to this place, but so your life can be forever changed. So he can speak into your heart. He don't want to leave you the same. He don't want you to keep going down a path that's going to keep you on the mat. He wants you to stand up. He wants you to pick up the mat, say there's a new authority over my life. I have new allegiance. And then he wants you to walk in a new nature so you stun the onlookers in the community. So you stun those at Walmart on Black Friday. So you stun those where where they look at you and they say something's different about you. You don't even have to preach to them. You don't even have to have a microphone to show you have a thankful heart. Because I do believe when the fruit is coming out of you and you're walking with God, people are stunned at How, how in the world, hey bro, how in the world everybody else is trying to get in line and get the TV. They want the TV. It's about the TV. It's about them. It's about their TV. It's about them. It's about, and and you're like, dude, chill out. I'll pay 10 more dollars for the TV tomorrow. So, so, So how do you do that? He says, the successful spirit looks different. The Bible calls it the fruit of the spirit. That's what, that's what fruit is, is success. And if God has successfully changed your life, then you begin to display him. As he purges things out and puts new things in, you begin to change your community. And so i got to ask you, did those last things I describe describe you? Or does this? 
He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. This translation says forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You don't need a law to keep a heart like that in bounds. Because that, that heart wants to follow its leader because it's been touched by grace. He says, against such things there is, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us also, he says, keep in step with the Spirit. Let us walk with the Spirit. And so do you need God's law to keep you on track? Or has God wrote his law on your heart by the power of grace? To empower you to be who he's created you to be wherever you go in life. See, a lot of people see God's grace as, a, as, a, as an agent only to be forgiven. The word grace simply means this, the unmerited favor. The unmerited favor of God. And God does want to forgive you, my friend. But he also wants to empower you to walk by his spirit in everyday life. And so grace is something that empowers you, not just forgives you. You need to remember that. And so are you calling on God's grace for empowerment, to walk by the power of his spirit? Say no to the flesh and say yes to God's spirit in your life. Jesus said it this way. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. You don't have to be confused. You don't have to be confused to know which is the right direction to walk in. You don't have to be confused. You know what? Whenever the whole world is trying to be confusing you and circumstances are crunching in on you, you have a heart that is connected to God. And you recognize that, you know what? Life isn't just about the physical. Life is about the spiritual. You begin to recognize you're an eternal being. And you're not here for very long. As a matter of fact, life here is like a vapor. You're here for a little while, like a blooming flower, and then the next day, you fade away. However, spiritually, you're connected to God forever, and you begin to produce that. So whenever you begin to understand you're an eternal being, your direction and your heart begins to change underneath worldly circumstances. In this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. Pressures are going to come. But take heart. Because Jesus has overcome the world. And those things don't have to define you. There's a God who defines you. And when that God defines you, you begin to understand that he is creating all things new. Heaven and earth. The body you, you, you're going to have a brand new body in heaven. And, you know, that's an amazing, amazing truth to grab hold of in order to have a thankful heart. So whatever's going on in your life today, I want to encourage you to consider God. And receive his forgiveness. And as you receive his forgiveness, would you stand up? <laughs> would you pick up the new life he gives you? And, and you know what? Take control. Let Jesus take control over your life and put the old life behind you. And will you begin to walk by the power of the new nature? That is who God is. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He would love for you to have a thankful and grateful heart. And change your community during this particular season. Can you bow your heads, please? God, you're an amazing, amazing God. And sometimes the pressures of life and the circumstances of life can begin to steal our joy, 
can begin to take love from our heart, can begin to cause us to react instead of respond with your amazing love and your amazing kindness and your amazing goodness. And so God, I pray today that every person here would receive the forgiveness, Jesus, that you offered on a cross to forgive humanity for missing the mark of God's glorious standard. And God, but they wouldn't only receive that forgiveness, but God, they would recognize that you gave access to come into your presence and begin to learn from your spirit and walk by the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And and God, that's your unmerited favor. That's your empowering grace. And God, would, would people learn to walk in this newness of life? Would they learn to, to say no to, to things that keep them on the mat and say yes to things that get them off the mat to live as eternal beings and really transform the world? God, I pray your spirit, the attributes of your character would fall on hearts this Thanksgiving and holiday season. And God, our community would never be the same because they do recognize that Jesus does have the authority to forgive sin because we stand up. We put on our new nature and we begin to walk in the fullness of that everywhere we go. May the power of God be exhibited through our life this Thanksgiving season. And if there's one today that has never received the forgiveness that Jesus offered on the cross and you've never put your faith and your hope and he is your eternal connection to God, then I invite you today to just by faith put your hope in what Jesus did on a cross 2,000 years ago as he gave his life and begin to have a heart to understand that he defeated death and your sin and he resurrected from a grave so you could have total access to your creator. I would invite you to begin to commune with him and begin to follow him with your life. And so if you need to make that decision today, just right where you sit, say something like this, say, God, I'm tired of living life my own way. And today I want to put my faith in what Jesus did on a cross and his finished work there and his resurrection today. I'm going to make him the savior of my life. And I'm also going to allow him to be the leader and the Lord and the master and guide me each and every day of my life. My friend, that's where new life begins. And I pray today that if you make that decision, that you would just sum it up by telling God, thank you. Thank you. And then confessing to the world this week about how you live life that you have put on the new nature and God has healed your heart and begin to do the amazing. Tell God to thank you for salvation if you just said that prayer. And today, God, we as your family, we pray we would be great exhibits of your kindness and love this holiday season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise in here today?